0: Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, economics and business editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Andrew Forrest, the legendary Australian mining mogul who set up both Anaconda Nickel and the Fortescue Mining Group. Forrest is one of the world's leading advocates of hydrogen energy, and he backs in particular the use of green hydrogen, produced by splitting water via electrolysis using electricity from renewable sources. Forrest dubs so-called blue hydrogen, the production of which involves fossil fuels, as purely marketing, a charade and a con. Visiting the UK for the COP26 summit, Forrest has just teamed up with JCB, a leading UK supporter of hydrogen fuel, with the British firm signing a deal to buy 10% of Fortescue's global green hydrogen production and to manage its UK-wide distribution. I hope you enjoy this episode of Money Talks. Andrew, did you always want to be an entrepreneur?
1: I suppose I did. You know, mum used to tell me that even as a little kid, I'd kind of swap and exchange transistor radios for a pair of tennis shoes or, you know, always bartering here and there. I just really enjoyed it.
0: You started your first mining company, having grown up in Western Australia, rural, outback kind of environment. You started your first mining company in 1994, Anaconda, Nickel, and you really started by mining iron ore then the Fortescue Mining Group and shipping it to China. Did you know around the turn of the century when you started doing that, that China would emerge as the world's biggest economy as it now is on quite a few definitions? Yeah, look, I'll, 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 I'll answer that question. I, I did start
1: Anaconda Nickel, extremely complex, metallurgically difficult, but wonderful, wonderful project, which is now one of the largest nickel and cobalt, you know, battery metals in the world. Uh, it, you know, I've got a few scars to show for that. I got turfed out of that company. It's now someone else's really successful company. So then I went off and started Fortescue. I started Fortescue because I'd been traveling to and from China for about 33 years. But, you know, just after I left Anaconda, I went back to China and I was completely amazed at their plans, their appetite to leave a better future, a stronger standard of living than what they had for their kids. And they even had this dream that for their, in their kids' lives, maybe they could even get their kids up to roughly a Western world standard of living. And I thought, these blokes are going to need a hand. I mean, they're not going to do that on their own. They're going to want resources. Um, and so I went back to Australia and started an iron ore company. And, you know, the rest is history.
0: On most definitions, you're Australia's richest man. You're a multi-billionaire. You want to turn Fortescue, though, into a mining company that, produces net zero carbon emissions by 2030. That's way ahead of any of your competitors. And some people would even wonder why a mining titan is interested in net zero. We're going to talk about the how you think Fortescue can get to net zero so quickly. But let's just start, Andrew, with the why. Okay, so it's a really great question. I started
1: to noodle with hydrogen when I was a kid, like, any other kid kind of amazed that you could take something out of water something from water you could actually burn I mean how does that work and then when you burnt it it released a whole heap of energy and it went back to water and I just thought oh mate this is Harry Potter I mean this is too good you know and I just started to look at it more and more and then about 11 years ago Fortescue started to investigate hydrogen really seriously Five years ago, five, six years ago, we started biotechnology as a plan B for hydrogen. Hydrogen's got this little issue. It's difficult to store and difficult to transport in bulk. But as ammonia, you can do all of that,
0: really. You can convert the hydrogen that you create into ammonia, which is a liquid, which then you can move around. Yeah, so
1: exactly. You can... You just add a bit of nitrogen from the air into the ammonia. And honestly, per cubic meter, you're transporting as much hydrogen as ammonia than you would if it was pure hydrogen. works super well. And so I thought, OK, so that's our plan B. Plan A might be pure hydrogen one day, but we've got a plan B. Let's go hard. And at the same time, I thought, you know, i got to dig under this environmental stuff. I've got to really seriously educate myself. I don't want to be this vapid, rich bloke with an opinion. I mean, I, I want to know about it. So I sent myself back to school for four years tough four years actually now that I look back on it was a PhD in marine ecology and I thought that you know the problems of the oceans would be like overfishing and plastic and they are but the elephant in the room was global warming and what that's doing to oceanic wildlife was just shocking to witness I thought oh it's not going to be long before it does it to us too and so I came out of that PhD and I thought right We've got to move away from fossil fuels. It's going to wipe us out. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it firsthand with the oceans. It's going to happen here. You know, we've got to get after this hard, but with another fuel. And, of course, our old friend, the miracle molecule, came up hard. You know, go
0: back to hydrogen. And that's what we did. As an entrepreneur at your fingertips, you've launched more there into the how. But I still want to know why. Everyone can see that ocean levels are rising, but are you absolutely convinced that climate change is happening because of man-made global warming. I think the worst thing's about global warming
1: is what you can't see. I mean you can see those see those massive bushfires in Australia and California, you can see sea level rising, you can see all of the temperature variation. It's what you can't see which really worries me. You know, what I've seen is as the oceans started to warm as the land started to warm it started to release methane. Now we release a truckload of methane already with coal and gas. But as the world started to warm, there's greater and greater natural release of methane, which says, and science is all over this now and truly very worried about it, that we're going to reach a tipping point where the world warms to a point where that methane emission just starts to go natural. And, it's, and methane's really dangerous, right? I mean, that's where you get gas from, methane. It's super dangerous and it's 80 to 90 times more powerful as a global warming agent than carbon, which everyone knows about, but they don't know about methane. The world keeps warming. We hit this tipping point. Science hasn't determined where it is, but we know it's there. And we reach that tipping point and we hit that point. Nothing, nothing we can do from that point on will stop the world just warming on its own. Just keep warming, warming, warming. We don't know when that warming will stop accelerating, but we know it's going to accelerate. So I knew from that point we've got to get out of here. We've got to stop global warming.
0: So the Andrew Forrest vision is of a world where we we generate renewable uh, energy, electricity. We can use that electricity to, to create hydrogen through electrolysis and other processes. And we then we can then use that hydrogen as an energy source, both turning it into green ammonia. You can drive internal combustion engines with it. And then you can also turn it back into electricity. Is that roughly right, Andrew? That's roughly right. I mean, what I love about hydrogen is that you just put a couple of
1: electrical wires in here, put enough electricity into those wires, this will split into hydrogen and oxygen from where it is now. You capture that hydrogen, you've got this miracle molecule. It can do everything. It can fire planes, trucks, ships, all sorts of mobility. You can use it to make steel. You can put a bit of nitrogen with it. You've got all the fertilizers you need. With direct current green electricity, you can run about 40, 50% of the world. But the rest of it, you need something which is truly mobile and something you can manufacture with, and that's hydrogen.
0: So you're attending COP26. You spent a lot of 2021 flying around the world, uh, ironically, not on hydrogen fuel planes yet, but you're flying around the world with this advocacy. You want to turn Fortescue Mining Group, a huge mining conglomerate, into a powerhouse of hydrogen energy. Are world leaders listening to you? Do you think global opinion is ready because hydrogen's still seen as quite a niche interest if we're honest right
1: okay so let's really really establish the most important part of this entire conversation green hydrogen you can get hydrogen we have for 100 years odd from fossil fuel problem with that no matter which way you cut it and all the bulldust which is out there i'm telling you it's a charade if you get hydrogen from fossil fuel you're going to warm the planet quicker you might feel good cuz you're burning
0: hydrogen the same molecule right great so let me just explain that that's using fossil fuels to generate electricity to do the electrolysis to um, create the hydrogen yeah it's a
1: thing called steam methane reforming so they you burn all the coal oil and gas and you you do steam steam methane reforming you get to hydrogen or you can do electrolysis
0: you get the hydrogen but Polynes- you you won't Green hydrogen, which is you use renewable energy to create electricity to do the electrolysis to create the hydrogen. Yeah, look, there's exactly, <laughs> there's there's
1: one path which is gonna lead the world into quicksand. Literally, we're gonna sink into global warming and that's hydrogen made from fossil fuel. Any hydrogen made from fossil fuel, it's gonna speed up global warming. It's purely marketing. The hydrogen molecule I talk about is the one with the provenance is right, where it comes from. Where it comes from, really important. If it doesn't come from renewable electricity, it's going to compound the problem. So it's got to come from wind, you've got a got truckload of that here, solar, we've got a lot of that in Australia, any form of renewable energy, geothermal, hydro, but it's got to be renewable and that will make all the hydrogen the world will ever need, period. You will not have any more pollution.
0: See, this is the thing, Andrew. The whole green agenda, a lot of GB News viewers will be thinking, oh, it's all about posh people virtue signalling. They want to take away my van. They want to hit my livelihood. Boris Johnson saying no more new diesel and petrol vans and cars by 2030. Yeah, but the electric cars are really expensive. Rip out your gas boiler. That's going to cost 15, 20 grand, which I haven't got. For a lot of ordinary working men and women, this whole green agenda is just... A posh people's game.
1: OK, so this is where I want to speak to all those people. On a show like this, go green because there's a buck in it. Go green because your standard of living will sure be higher. We know that for sure. But it'll be cheaper. Rip out your gas boiler, leave your gas boiler there. Just make sure it can take hydrogen gas. If it can take LNG, it's going to take hydrogen gas. Make sure you don't buy the bulldust gas, which is... Hydrogen gas from fossil fuels, that's just going to make it worse. But by that stage, you're going to have abundant green hydrogen, provided we get the policy settings right now. As far as the posh man's game goes, I've got to tell you, this is everyone's game. We're all in this. We're all in this. The world is globally warming for everybody. Now, do we have to suffer for that? My argument is saying if you aren't going to eat, you aren't going to travel, you aren't going to do this, You're just the fossil fuel's best mate, because actually you will. And what you're saying is if I really cut down, if I really do nothing, then I'll make a difference. No, how we make a difference is by getting out of fossil fuel, getting out of manufactured products that use it and getting into totally green products, which we now have in abundance. I'm not talking something which is going to run out. Fossil fuel, it's going to run out. It's getting more expensive. You've seen this here in Britain. I'm talking about something which is infinite. 75% of the universe is made from hydrogen. Most of the world is hydrogen. We're never, ever, ever going to run out of it. Let's get onto it. It's going to be cheaper than oil and gas. But while oil and gas slows us up, oil and gas says, no, look, let's slow up here. Look, it's going to be too expensive for you or it's a rich man's game, all that rubbish. They're just standing on the hose of what's good for every single person in Britain.
0: I happen to agree with you that hydrogen is an incredibly interesting energy source and clearly you've put in a huge amount of work and you are putting your, your company on, on the line here as well as as well as your reputation. But I put it to you, Andrew Forrest, with all due respect for what you've achieved and what you want to achieve. We're too late that, you know, we're not doing hydrogen um, filling stations around the UK as we head for 2030. We're doing straight electricity filling stations. The infrastructure we're going for is not a hydrogen infrastructure. You're going to have to literally turn around the oil tanker at this point. It seems to me that this hydrogen advocacy lobby is about 10 years too late. Yeah, so what happened with the battery lobby and the electric car lobby is they lined up with a
1: fossil fuel lobby because it's going to be a lovely big illusion you can plug in your car but the smoke comes out of the stack somewhere else mightn't be in your garage but you created the same carbon right so it's an illusion it's a fake now look i am speaking to leaders all over the world and they're starting to get it they're starting to get it. actually that was a bit of a con and hydrogen from fossil fuel that's an even bigger con when we've got all the green energy the world could ever need why not just use it? Green electricity, I mean, let's have that straight away. Green ammonia, let's fire all our ships, everything else, our trains on it. Green hydrogen, everything, trucks, cars, planes. So if you've got that solution, it's not too late. It's never too late. It's too late if we don't act. But let's act and let's bring up our standard of living, bring
0: down our cost of living and stop global warming. And that's the future of green hydrogen. Andrew, you made your business reputation. You made your first fortune in your dealings with China. You're often seen as a bridge between China and the West. You've spoken to many of China's top leaders over many years. President Xi isn't at COP26 yet. China produces more emissions, Andrew, than the whole of the rest of the industrialized world put together. Aren't we wasting our time if China's not in town? Yeah,
1: China does, does emit a great deal of carbon and you speak to Indians, you speak to Chinese, you speak to anyone in the developing world and they say, hey, look, why is the world warming again? Oh, that's right, it was the Western world who got us into this. Don't you want to give us a chance to? My argument to those people is to say, yeah, look, we made a dirty, great, big mistake. We're getting through that mistake. Yeah, we're getting shoved down this, oh, let's all go electric even if the grid's dirty, con, or let's let's just use hydrogen from fossil fuel, con. No, actually, China, India, Great Britain, Australia, North America, we've got so many times more renewable energy than we could ever use. China, I've said really loudly in China, in their newspapers, President Xi should be here, OK? He thinks he might get a bollocking for this or that if he, if he comes. He's seeing it being really political. What I know, though, is what China is doing. And I don't know why they're not speaking about this more because what they're doing is absolutely great. Yes, they're putting in coal-fired power stations, but at the same time, what you don't hear spoken about is they're putting in miles and miles and miles of wind farms. So I mean, they stretch over the horizon, right? In this arid, windy country, not used for anything. And they're creating the biggest wind farms in the world. And that's to turn China green. That's to make green hydrogen. now. If I was them, I'd be saying, hey to the world, this is what we're doing, going flat out. You guys are just talking about coal-fired power stations. We're trying to feed ourselves, Okay, Cut us some slack.
0: So you're saying Xi should be here at COP26?
1: Yes, I've said that. My views are well known in China that Xi should be here. He's got his reasons for not being, but I also know that China will be well represented. What I'd like China to be doing is talking about what they're actually doing in the green energy and green hydrogen space because it is really big.
0: They're creating a lot of wind farms, right, as a sort of alternative strategy.
1: Yeah, you can you can see their wind farms over the horizon. I mean, they've got these huge amounts of barren land up in northern China, up towards inner Mongolia, and they're putting these massive wind
0: farms out there which can produce huge amounts of energy. I must say, Andrew, one of the issues which I think the hydrogen lobby should be really promoting, I'm sure you've thought of this too is that electric vehicles that rely on batteries themselves rely on rare earths, many of which are in difficult countries, not least China. So it's a really sort of strategic aspect for the Western world to not go down this path of battery-powered cars. Yeah, look, I think... I, I do see that
1: just battery or just electrification is actually a blind rabbit hole. I, I wouldn't be going down it hard. Yes, it's, it's better than nothing, but if you've got a full solution... You take the full solution, and that is green hydrogen. You've said hydrogen many times. I really, if I could respectfully, change the language to green hydrogen because hydrogen on its own is just from fossil fuel. That's going to make the world worse and be bloody expensive. Green hydrogen should be the last form of energy we've ever had.
0: Before we move into the bigger picture, let's just drill back down into Fortescue, FMG, your company briefly to describe precisely what you're doing to get to net zero emissions? We we made two pretty rugged announcements.
1: One, by 2040, all our customers would be carbon neutral. And by 2030, probably the harder one again, we'd be carbon neutral. Knowing that we're leading from the front, we'd be the bloke with the arrows in the back. But we did it with a plan. So I set my team, these really fabulous young women and men, about 200 of them, take the drivetrain out of those huge haul trucks, you know, trucks with wheels five times the size of this room, and design for me, invent for me a hydrogen fuel cell that can go into that truck and commission it. And you got three months. Three months. And so they just set to work. And they designed this hydrogen fuel cell. They took out this massive engine, put the hydrogen fuel cell in. That truck is now driving around with all the power you could ever think of, pushing out only steam, pure water. And they did it within three months. A month or two later, they started to commission a diesel locomotive, a diesel train engine, one of the biggest in the world, on pure green ammonia. A month or two later, now we're talking about five months, they did it with a ship's engine. That's now running on nearly 100% green hydrogen. Now, all of this has happened in five months, five months to start the next green, pollution-free industrial revolution. I mean, it's staggering the progress. And I know now we're going to hit 2030 and we're going to hit it easily.
0: That's really interesting. I was recently at a quarry in Staffordshire, uh, and Anthony Bamford's JCB company showed me their hydrogen-powered digger. And I thought, wow, this is a huge digger. It's being driven by hydrogen. You are driving those massive mining vehicles and drivetrains and even ships, with hydrogen. Yes,
1: absolutely. If, if, if you want to have a slow revolution engine, like a ship engine, you use slow burning fuel like green ammonia. If it's going to be fast, like trucks or, air or planes, use hydrogen. So you can cover the whole thing off. Plus with hydrogen, you can make steel, you can make cement, you can make fertilisers. I mean, it's this Swiss pocket knife, provided it comes from renewable electricity, it's real and it will send the world pollution free and bring down your cost. My concern is Britain going down this other blind alley, which is fossil fuel made hydrogen. And that will keep the cost of energy up. It'll keep green hydrogen down, and worse, it's gonna run out while it pollutes the world. Because in the end, the fossil fuels will run out. Yeah, but I can tell
0: you, time's gonna run out long before oil does. Let's go back to COP26. We've, we've really drilled down into the whole idea of hydrogen. Most of the rest of the country, most of the rest of the world is just, is this really an issue? Do we need to think about this? Is it going to cost me lots of money, this whole green agenda? You said we shouldn't think of it in terms of sacrifices and hair-shirtedness and people being chided for doing the wrong thing. In that regard, Greta Thunberg really annoys a lot of people. Isn't she now a net negative to your cause? No, I think Greta's been great because she's brought so much attention to this. Really? An odd, extremely wealthy child telling ordinary working men and women that they're immoral? How does that help? Yeah,
1: so look, what she's done is she's exposed the issue big time to holy people who might not think of it. Now, now we need a solution. We absolutely need a solution. We understand that she's been a, a great message carrier, but the solution here is green hydrogen. And Yes, if I could say to Greta, please put all that in. it down a bit? Yeah, well, I'd say to Greta, let's go to a solution. We need hope now. I mean, no one's going to sail to North America from Europe like you did. They just might not even have the time, right? So it's not feasible. What we need is to grab the pure solution we have, the solution everyone in the world has, the solution Britain has, and that's to become energy independent. Look at Britain for a second. Gas prices, energy prices are going up here. In Australia, same. In China, the same. Yet every country in the world, including this beautiful country, could make all of its own energy by making its own hydrogen from right here in Britain. Why would you have to import fuel? Why do you have to prop up other nation states with your standard of living? Let's just stop mucking around. Let's go to green hydrogen, make it all in Britain, make it with your friends, and not be beholden to some other country you'll probably never even visit.
0: Let me put this to you, Andrew, with all due respect, because I've read a lot about Anaconda Nickel and FMG, how you created it against all the odds, enormous scepticism. You overcame enormous obstacles, and you now do a huge amount of philanthropic work. Some people will be watching this interview and thinking, this whole green thing, it's a billionaire's play thing.
1: Yeah, so I've been asked that. I've been asked, would you do it if there wasn't a buck in it? And I've said, yeah, actually, I would, because I can afford to. But no one would follow, so we missed the point. The point is we've got to show that the standard of living can come up and the cost of living can go down. That companies like mine and all the big heavy-emitting industrial companies out there, which are the global warming problem, it's not the tech company making a grand announcement, let's give them a slow clap, they're not going to do anything for global warming, they don't do anything now. Global warming comes from people like me all over the world, the heavy emitters. We have to go green. And if you say to us, oh, by the way, go broke too, no-one's going to do it. We're showing, actually, by going green, there's going to be a higher standard of living, a lower cost of living. Here in Britain, like in Australia, you're going to be energy independent. You're not going to have but to But we've be got to get from here to
0: there. Else. And who's going to pay to get us from here to there? If it's ordinary working men and women struggling to make ends meet to get from here to there... It's not going to happen in a democracy. You've got to know how much the oil and gas industry costs right now, the British taxpayer. I mean, oh, my God.
1: The amount of money you put into subsidies for the fossil fuel sector and around the world, we're talking hundreds of billions. We don't have to go from here to there with other people's money or the punters' money. We've just got to stop funding
0: our own extinction through global warming. Talking of subsidies, Is nuclear part of the solution? Quite a lot of environmentalists think nuclear is better than oil and gas if we can deal with the fallout from the nuclear waste issue. Atomic energy could help. You know the world's approaching a tipping point where we won't be able to stop global warming no matter what we do.
1: I'd put everything on the table. But I'd say this about nuclear. It's a second option. If you've got a first option, which is entirely safe, it's not going to spread all around the world. If a terrorist gets hold of it, He's not going to be able to blow anything up with it. And that's green hydrogen. Problem with nuclear is that when you look at the process flow sheet, no matter which one you look at, even using waste uranium from a nuclear power plant, even using that nuclear waste, you still enrich it back up towards weapons grade. So I find that is going to deliver a cleaner world, but a more dangerous world. And if you don't have to do that, don't do it. If you've got a full practical implementable solution in green hydrogen do that you've got the money you're funding fossil fuel you're subsidizing fossil fuel you're paying immense amount of taxes to do that stop hurting yourself bring that across to green hydrogen have all the energy you'll ever need at a lower cost be energy independent high standard of living let's do that and it's safe do you think boris johnson gets all this you know I think everyone in the world is going to get it. It's going to depend on two things, their, their level of vulnerability to a new message and maybe a little bit of intelligence. But I'm sure everyone watching this program is going to know if you've got an infinite source of energy which is going to put out zero pollution, when you burn it, it turns back to water and it's going to bring down the cost of living and make Britain energy independent.
0: Let's do it. Andrew Forrest, Twiggy to your friends. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Great to be aboard.
0: Thanks a lot for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On the Money, at 1 pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel.